The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Amen. Oh, I'll tell you, I could get used to preaching in this church. I have to, next week, I have to go back to the real world. So let's enjoy this while we can. You have blessed me. Your church has blessed me already. Uh, I was telling Tafara that you've already done more than any church has ever done for me in Africa. And I've been coming for a long time, but uh, your generosity and your hunger for the things of God and the excellence that you have here is just, uh, it's a good testimony to God. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, this is my next outfit from South Africa. I like it. I like your clothing here. It fits well and feels good. So I have, uh, I think I have more for tomorrow. We'll see what's going on. I'm going to take it home. Let's uh, pray, and I want to get into the Word tonight. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We give you thanks for everything that happens in us and through us. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't have anything good to say. We wouldn't have anything to believe for. We wouldn't have a future. We wouldn't have any hope. We thank you that you're here, that Jesus has come, that you do love us and you've made provision, abundant provision for us. And we thank you that we can all take this journey, this life, uh, this walk of faith that ends uh, in heaven. And so we thank you that you help each and every one of us to fulfill our destiny, to do your will and to bear much fruit in our lives and we give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen you can be seated and I want to continue I don't I, I uh, have really enjoyed just taking my time and and getting into the subject and you've been so patient and hungry you've made it possible uh, to just cover this uh, this ground that we're covering thoroughly and so I want you to turn today to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, in verse 5, and this is an encounter that Jesus had with the, uh, the, the disciples, and they, they must have been realizing that faith was important to Jesus. They must have been getting that idea because uh, from time to time he would rebuke them or correct them for their unbelief, for their lack of faith. And so they said in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So they're asking for God to give them more faith. And if you, uh, what I find, if you, if you do a faith teaching or do a faith seminar, even to Christian people, at some point in the process, they may be tempted to think, you know, faith is important. The preacher's right. We need faith. We got to walk by faith. I just don't have much. 
and they excuse themselves or feel like they're not very developed in this area. And the disciples must have been feeling the same thing. And so they went to God and said, you know what, just give us more faith. We need what we would do better if we had more faith. We failed on the, you know, on the journey across the sea when the storm arose and they were afraid and they cried out to Jesus and he rebuked the storm and he said, where's your faith? And they're, they're embarrassed. They think, you know, we could do better if you'd give us more faith. Well, that's kind of an insult to God. That's, that's like you're saying to God, it's your fault we're not doing better. And that's not the way to approach this subject. This question, even though you may have felt it yourself, we may have all felt it from time to time, the question, increase our faith or God give me more faith, is flawed. It's a flawed question. So God's not going to say, you can't have any more faith or I've done all I'm going to do for you. But the, the, the question is flawed because number one, and I'm going to have two points tonight. Number one, they assumed that you can get faith by praying for it. And can I just tell you, that's not how faith comes. You can pray, you can fast, you can cry, you can beg, you can plead, you can do good works... But that doesn't bring faith into your life. It's important to know that. It's important to know that being a good person doesn't necessarily cause your faith to grow. Faith, Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In that same chapter 10 of Romans, it says, How shall they believe in whom they've not heard? So you can't have faith in something you haven't heard of. You can't have faith in an area that you've never heard the word on. The word of God is the basis of our faith. It's what causes faith to come. And acting on the word is what faith is. So what is essential to walking by faith and exercising faith is to have the promises of God, to be established on a promise from God. It would be like a lawyer going to court with the law on his side. He will have done his homework. He will know what his rights are, what his client's rights are. He'll know what the law says, and he will plead his case based on the law, not on feeling or emotion or desire. Those things are not faith. Now, sometimes when you walk by faith, you feel you feel it. You feel some, you know, some sort of anointing or strength, but you don't have to. In fact, some of the greatest steps of faith I've ever made in my life, I had no feelings, no good feelings whatsoever. I was concerned that this may not work. God, please help me. I'm going to do this, but I, I, I have got my reservations. I, don't, I wish I had a warm, fuzzy feeling right now, but I don't. I don't have any goosebumps. I don't have, I don't, but, but I believe and I'm basing my decision on, on the truths that you've given to me. So faith comes by hearing the word of God and the word of God is either a promise in, his, in, his, in the scriptures or a promise that he's made to you personally. 
So he can, he can speak to you and tell you to do something, and you can do that by faith, not because the Bible said it, but because God said it. You know, the Bible gives you the generalities, such as go into all the world and preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit will tell you specifically where to go and where not to go. So if he tells you not to go somewhere and you go there, you have no basis for faith whatsoever. But if you turn that around, and I've done this before, and you go somewhere because the Lord told you to go, you, have, you can build your life there on the rock of God's word and the guarantee of God. It's so liberating to say, Lord, I didn't choose to be here. This was not my idea. I told you I didn't want to do it. You told me to do it, and I obeyed, so you're going to have to make this happen. Can you see how liberating that? Or on the other side, God, please help me. God, please. And he's saying, I never told you to do that. Oh, but Lord, I need you to come through for me. And he said, it wasn't my idea. But God, I'm, I'm, I'm out, I'm, I've reached the end of my, of my rope here. I need your help. And, but there was no, 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 no word from God. So it's wrong to ask God to give you more faith because that's not how faith comes. If you want more faith, you need more word. And we need to be, be uh, aware of our intake today. The reason that a lot of Christians don't walk in much faith is because they feed on doubt and unbelief and lies and news all week long. And they may come to church one time and get a message, and they try to build their life on one message a week, and that's probably not enough to keep your faith strong and active. So if you need more faith, want more faith, then get more word. I think, I, I think we'll take the time to look at this, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. Go, go to Mark chapter 16. And I didn't read the rest of this story, but, uh, but we'll get back to the apostles saying, Lord, increase our faith. We'll get back there. But let's go to Mark 16 and verse 9. Now notice the mention of faith and unbelief in just the few verses that we're going to read here. Verse 9, now when he arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he'd cast seven devils. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. So, well, that's kind of far-fetched for them to believe that. I mean, he was dead and she said he's alive and they didn't believe. You can understand that. But... I've researched it, and Jesus told them at least three times that he was going to die and be raised from the dead. That was a promise from God. That's enough for any person to have faith in the resurrection. He expected them to take that word and believe that word, even though it looked impossible. He expected them to believe that he was alive when they didn't even see him. 
You know, it's, it's interesting that, that he died and was buried and he arose. He only appeared to marry some of the women that were there early in the morning and then he didn't appear to the rest of them for a while. I believe he was giving them a chance to believe. I mean, he could have said, you guys, you couldn't believe if I told you. So I'll just, you know, just, just hang in there. Just be positive. And then when he, was a, when, he went, when he came out of the tomb, he could have said, here I am, surprise, aren't you glad to see me? I told you I was God. But he didn't. He gave them a chance to believe in a resurrection, to believe the impossible, to believe a promise of God with no evidence, no facts to back it up, no earthly support. And he expected them to believe that, and they could have. The excuse is not, well, I don't have enough faith. How much faith do you have to have to believe that God means what he says, and he says what he means? How much faith do you have to have to believe that God tells the truth? And if God said he's going to rise from the dead, he's going to rise from the dead. I mean, you, you, you don't have to have a whole lot of faith for that. And God expects us to make that that, that leap, that step, consistently in our lives. Now, they didn't, they didn't do it. Um, that's verse uh, 11. Let's go to verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked into the country. And they went and told the rest, but they did not believe them either. And it didn't, it's, it seemed like just a matter of personal opinion. You know, if you want to believe in that, that's fine. I'm not going to do it. They had their reasons. I mean, I don't want to get my hopes up. I just was crushed. I saw all my dreams die on a cross. And, and, I, and I saw him put in the tomb. I'm trying to get over that. And now you're wanting me to believe he's alive. And, and I don't want, I don't, I'm getting off the emotional roller coaster right now. I just don't want to go there. If you want to believe it, it's fine. I'm just, you know what? Just leave me alone. I'm, I'm mourning. I'm having a tough time. You know, people say that all the time about the faith message, faith in healing, faith in other. Oh, now we don't want to get your hopes up. Why not? Verse 14. Here's what the Lord thought about it. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. These are the ones that he was expecting to get the message from the ladies and from the two men. He allowed them, not, and this is how the gospel works. God gave his word, and then he has witnesses going out and preaching his word. And the way the kingdom works, whoever believes that word receives it. In fact, that's what he's about to say. He's going to say, go into all the world. I've already made the promises. I've made them good. Go into all the world and you tell them what I've done and what I've said. And he who believes and is baptized will be what? He who does not believe will be condemned. But he just gave them a lesson on this, which they failed. And that is, he told them, I'm going to die and be raised from the dead. I'm going to suffer at the hands of the, of the Jews, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised from the dead. Three different times he told them this. Then the witnesses came and said, he's alive. And they said, we don't believe it. 
just a taste of what ministry was going to be like when they started preaching the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. I don't believe it. God wants to prosper you. I don't believe it. They, they live through this, and Jesus, verse 12, as he appeared to the leaven, as they sat at the table, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, they weren't saying something they made up. They were saying something that agreed with what Jesus had already promised, and that's the key. When those ingredients are there, when God has made the promise and somebody repeats it or preaches it, then it's possible for any person anywhere to believe that promise. They don't need more faith. They don't have to get a supercharge of faith. They don't have to feel the anointing. They can choose to believe what God said and receive the blessing that corresponds to that promise. And, and this is how the kingdom works. And then in the next verse, uh, after he rebuked their hardness and, of heart and, uh, because they didn't believe. Now, he wouldn't have rebuked them if they weren't capable of it. It wouldn't be fair for God to say that you should have done this when it was impossible for you to do it. So they could have done it. And, and that's what I said. There's a difference between couldn't and wouldn't. When you say, Lord, I increase my faith, I need more faith, you're saying, I can't. I don't have enough. I would do what you want, but I just can't. I don't, I don't have the ability. Boy, when you start to think that there's something you need that you can't get in order to make it in life, you're a victim, and you can't overcome that. God doesn't want us to live in that world where, where we always think that somebody else has what we need or somebody's keeping from us what we need to be successful. He's saying, you don't need more faith. You don't have to have an increase in your faith. You can believe the word of God now. Just choose to do it. Amen. Amen. So what if I don't feel like I have any faith? Act like you would if you did have. I mean, that's how you walk in love. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest about it. You don't always feel love, do you? What happens when you don't feel love? You just act like you would if you did feel it. And the feelings will catch up. Faith's not a feeling. It's a, it's a decision based on the promise from God and, it, and it's something that anyone can do so verse 15 and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and here's how the kingdom works he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe um, in my name they'll cast out devils they'll speak with new tongues They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. So if you go back to verse 9 where we started and you begin to look at how many times Jesus said believe or faith or unbelief, it's like verse 9, they did not believe. Verse 13, they did not believe them either. 
Verse 14, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe. Verse 15, uh, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. Are you starting to get the message here? You see, once Jesus did all the work, all that's left for us to do is believe. That's why you're sitting in chairs. Did you ever wonder why church is like it is? You're sitting there and I'm standing up here speaking words and you're sitting there listening. Why? Because the work's already been done. All that's left now is for you to believe it. And that's very, sometimes that's hard to get people to do. You know, if you had 500 people in a room Christians that didn't know much about the new covenant and you said God wants to prosper you 450 of them would say yes but there's a reason why that doesn't work and they would talk themselves out of simply believing the promise of God so part of our job is to remove the obstacles to faith all of the things that people are using to excuse themselves Remove them so that people are free to believe and choose to believe. And one of the obstacles here is Luke 17, 5. Lord, increase our faith as if we just don't have enough. So I told you that's, that question is, based, is flawed. Number one, it assumes that you can get faith by praying for it. And you can't. It doesn't come that way. It doesn't come by fasting. It doesn't come by self-sacrifice. It doesn't. It comes actually. It comes by feeding and exercise. Faith grows by exercise. It comes by feeding on the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, hearing the Word of God over and over again. And and this is something I want to bring up before we get to the second assumption, and and that is you can be strong in faith in one area and weak in another. Just because you're strong in faith in one area doesn't mean you're strong in faith in every area. There are various promises. Forget not all his benefits, the psalmist said. There are many different promises from God that cover different areas of our lives. And there are some people that are strong in the area of forgiveness. They know they're forgiven. They don't have any problem with guilt and condemnation. They have strong faith in that area. But when it comes to finances, they talk poor, they think poor, they act poor, and they're poor. But they know they're saved. They know their sins are forgiven. Other people may have strong faith in one area, and they just feel guilty all the time. And you can't get that sense of guilt and condemnation off of them. An anointing won't drive that out. The only thing that will drive out guilt and condemnation is faith in the promises of God. So the point is, whatever area you want to increase in, feed on the word of God in that area. Get God's word. Could you hand me that water? Get God's word. Thank you. On that, on that area and begin. You've got all your devices. Look up scriptures on that subject and put them all together and just read them 
Don't, you, you don't have to try to make something happen. You don't have to feel really great about it. Just, just begin to put them in. Just put them in. My God shall supply all my needs. God is able to make all grace abound toward me that I always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And begin to confess and, and meditate on scriptures in whatever area you need. And you'll find that your faith will grow and you'll, you'll unconsciously begin to change because it renews your mind to that. And faith begins to affect you in that area. It's hard for people to believe in healing if they've been told that healing's been done away with. All right, now, let's go to number two. The second assumption, when the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, They were assuming that they didn't have enough faith. They assumed that they didn't have enough faith to get the job done. And here's what Jesus said. Luke chapter 17 verse uh, 5. I'm going to drink some more wine. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. So their thinking is they don't have enough. They They just don't have enough faith. So Jesus took it down to the lowest possible level and said, you know what? If you had tiny, tiny faith, you could say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and it would... In other words, you've got enough faith to move trees, to change circumstances, to change your world. You're, you're going down the wrong road here and he's trying to turn them around. Rather than him just saying, Lord, then saying, Lord, increase our faith and him saying no and moving on, he's giving them an explanation. He's saying, if you had faith as a mustard seed, well, all of them had left their families. They'd follow the Lord. They had exercised a lot of faith to do what they were doing. So you could imagine they were saying, well, I got at least a mustard. Even Thomas is going, well, I I got at least a mustard seed worth of faith. So he wasn't leaving anybody out. He's saying, look, all you guys got enough faith here to do things. So quit hiding behind this thing that you don't feel like you've got. No, that's not how it works. He, 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 here's the point. He said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The point is, he's saying, it, you don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you've got. See, if things weren't changing, and they weren't evidently, and their thought was, I need more faith. He's saying, no, you don't need more faith. You just need to use the, you're not using what you have. And that's usually always the case. You're not using the faith you have. Now, if you're not using the faith you have, what good would it do if you got more? That's what he's saying. Why should I give you more? You're not using what you have. And if I gave you more, you wouldn't use that. 
And you'd have the same results as you're having now. The reason you're not having things change is you're not using the faith you have. It would, it's like, are you getting this? It's, it's like if you had a car in your driveway and it was a small, tiny car. And it was in good working order, but you never got in it and drove it to work. You always walked. Well, for you to say, you know what, if I had a bigger car, I could get to work. My car's just not big enough. Well, it seats four people, yes, but I need a bigger car. So what if we replaced it with a big truck? And you still walk to work every day. And you go, boy, if I just had a bigger truck, I could get to work. Well, somebody needs to stop you and say, look, if you had a bicycle, <laughs> you don't need a bigger truck. You, you could have a smaller vehicle and you could still get to work if you use it. But if you don't use it, it doesn't matter how big it is. It's never going to get you anywhere. And that's how some people, they're just frozen where they are because they're not using anything. They're just reacting to everything. Oh, God, what are we going to do now? Sound, they sound just like the world. They're not using an ounce of faith in any area other than when I die, hopefully I'm going to heaven, you know. I'm going to hold on till the end. There's more than that that you can have in this life. You know, I was thinking about it today. It would be like, um, like, like muscles. Let's say this pulpit was over here. And, and I'm sitting over here. And I said, Lord, if I just had muscles, I could move that pulpit over there. That pulpit needs to be there. But it's there. Can you see the problem here? The pulpit is not where it belongs. Oh, God, that pulpit is in the wrong place. We need help, Lord. Help us on earth. Help us poor, helpless souls. Move that pulpit. Give me more muscles. Well, that ain't working. I think I'm going to watch TV. Maybe someday, somehow. Someday, somehow, God is going to help us, give us the faith to move that pulpit where it belongs. Lord, don't you care? Do you not care? Do you not see what's happening in this place? Have you ever heard religious people act like this? So if I were going to try to help someone like that, I would come in and I would be nice because I grew up Methodist and we were nice people. I wasn't Baptist. I would say something like this to someone like me. I would say, you don't need more muscles. If you had the muscles of a five-year-old, you could move that pulpit to the center of the stage. Am I right? 
That's exactly what Jesus was saying. You see, until you use your muscles, and you don't have to have a lot of muscles to move that pulpit. You need to get a big, big pulpit, a religious-looking pulpit. No, I like that one. You don't have to have a... If you had a big pulpit, I would be ruined tonight. I couldn't do this. <laughs> I wouldn't have a message. You could have the muscles of a five-year-old and move that pulpit. But if I gave you the muscles of a bodybuilder and you just sat on that stool, nothing would happen. Until you get up, use the muscles you have, and you, and you walk over and you take responsibility and decide I'm not going to sit there and wait for God to rescue me and do something that I could do myself. I'm not going to keep begging. I'm not going to go down that road because it's futile. It's not working. I'm going to get up and I'm going to possess. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to act on what I believe. I'm going to use my ability as far as it will go. I think it's Joyce Meyer who said, you do what you can and God will do what you can't. And when it comes to faith, it's very important that you do what you can. God is not, this, this is a, 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 a universal principle, a spiritual principle. God is not going to come down here and move that pulpit for me while I'm sitting there in good health and not doing it myself. God's not going to wash your dishes and clean your house and change the oil in your car because you could do that yourself. And he knows. He knows. You see, you know, people got all afraid about, about the, you know, um, uh, Y2K and different things that, that, you know, the water, at least we did in the U.S., they were all afraid that the water water was going to get cut off and food supply was going to get cut off and we would all starve to death and Christians and I had a pastor tell me you can't you know you can't live without water I said well God brought water out of a rock in the Bible I mean he could still do that he could bring water out of a rock but here's the principle say well I've never seen God do that he's not in the entertainment business you know, he's not a magician. You know, now for our next trick, water out of a rock. When did he bring water out of a rock? When he sent three million people out into the desert and they ran out of water. And if, if God didn't come through, they were going to die. You will never see water come out of a rock when you can go to the kitchen and turn on a faucet. We can go to two or three rooms of our house and there's running water. Of course, God's not going to cause water to come out of a rock when you have running water. But if the supply is cut off and if, if everything else fails, God still knows how to bring manna down from heaven to bring water out of a rock to split the Red Sea. God can do those things, but he expects us to do what we can do. So as long as I can move that pulpit, he's not going to do it for me. And that's really the disciples were going down that road is, Lord, we just need, we just don't feel it. We just don't have it. No, Jesus said, you're just not using it. 
So to move a pulpit, you just walk over here and you grab it and you, and you place it right there and quit begging, fretting, and you, and you do it yourself. Now, uh, notice what Jesus said here because we're talking about faith, which is a spiritual exercise. That was a, a physical exercise. Faith is a spiritual exercise. So here they are doing nothing and saying, Lord, we just need more faith. We could do more for you and we could pass these tests. If, if we had more faith, you're holding out on us. We need you to give us more faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, so how do you use faith? If, if you move a pulpit by grabbing it and moving it physically, then how do you use your mustard seed worth of faith or however much faith you have? How do you release that? He tells us right here. If you had a mustard seed worth of faith, you could... Oh! You could... Oh, so, so, so sitting on the sidelines saying, Lord, help me, Lord, do it. That's not saying, that's not moving in faith. Faith says what God said. Faith believes the promise and speaks the promise. And if you're not doing that, you're not using the faith you have. Let's look at when the disciples failed the, the biggest faith test, when they were going across the, the, the Sea of Galilee and the storm arose. Do you remember that story? And the boat was sinking, and, and they woke up the Lord, and they said, Master, Ma they said, they said, they said, Master, Ma let's analyze this. Master, Master, we are perishing, period. If you have faith, you can say, whosoever shall say to this mulberry tree, who, uh, whosoever shall say to this mountain. But if you're going to say, we're all going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. This is not going to end well. And I'm sad about it. I'm depressed. I think I'm sick. I think I've got a disease and, uh, and I'm poor. I've lost all my... I, I mean, everything is bad. When you, if you're going to talk like that and then pray for more faith... If you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say... And if you have faith as a mustard seed and you're not saying, it's not going to work not going to work yeah but I'm a good person that's not faith yeah but I need it worse than anybody I know that's not faith if you have faith as a mustard seed you can say what are you going to say you say what God said that's what faith is built on so if God says victory you say victory if God says healed you say healed God says prosperous, you say prosperous. If you're not saying those things, you're not using your faith. People confuse this all the time. I've seen good Christian people sit in a good service and they're taught the word of God 
on some subject. And they're like, amen, preacher. I believe every word of it. I love the Bible. Do you love the, oh, I love the word of God. I love God with all my heart. I believe every word in that book. And then they begin to talk contrary to the message because they think just because they agree with it, just because they know it's true, that's faith. It's not. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say, Agreeing with the pastor is not faith. It's better than not agreeing with the pastor. It's better than sitting there with a frown on your face being a problem. And I don't like, I'd rather have a smiler than 10 frowners in a church. But that's not faith. I appreciate your smile. I love it when people laugh at my jokes like these girls here. They always laugh at my jokes. And I appreciate that so much. But it's, that's not faith. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say. Amen. So what does that mean? It means you need to start saying. Come on. Quit waiting for a feeling and looking for help and wondering why God hasn't moved and begin to say. Believe in your heart and say with your mouth. In fact, as I've studied scripture, I've never seen in any place where Jesus acted as if anybody didn't have enough faith. I, I never saw Jesus say, you know what? You don't have enough faith. Go sit down. Ever. He never did that. You'd think if, if the problem was a lack of faith, that people just, some people just didn't have it, then he would have recognized that and identified that at one point. He never did. He told people, where is it? You're, you know, when he, uh, when he told the disciples in the boat, he said, where's your faith? That's not like they don't have any. It's like you're not using it. You know, when a coach is coaching a team and, and tells the player, get your head in the game, he doesn't mean they've lost their head and they don't have one. And they need to go find it and put it back on. They have a head. They're just not using it. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's not saying, you guys don't have any faith. He's saying, where is it? Yeah. And they're like, Where's, we didn't know we were supposed to. I mean, we're in the boat with you. <laughs> Can't you save us? We didn't expect this. I mean, really, how many of you would expect to get on a boat with Jesus and the boat starts sinking? You, that's the last thing you're prepared for. <laughs> I mean, really, if Jesus picked 12 of us and said, hey, we're going to get in a boat and we're going to go across the lake, you go, ooh, just us? I mean, what kind of a trip would that be? Like, I got questions I'm going to ask. You could imagine that, you know, it's like a Disney movie with a rainbow and birds singing and angels flying around and we're going over the and 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 they sailed right into a storm and the boat began to sink and god expected them to believe something and they didn't they had it but they didn't use it and jesus rebuked the storm he didn't say that was a close one man you guys i'm sure glad you woke me up 
You'd all been dead by now. I'd have go find 12 more people. He didn't say that. He said, where's your faith? Isn't that powerful? He didn't say, you, don't just, you just don't have enough for storms. You had just enough faith to get in the boat, but that's all you had. You, you've, that, you used it all just to get in the boat. I'll take it from here. That's not what he said. He said, you should have done that. You should have used more. You should have used what you had. Well, how do we know they didn't use faith? Did we have some kind of faith meter? No. You could, I could have told you that. I already told you what they said. They said we're all going to die. Not faith. It's faith in the wrong thing. <laughs> Never did Jesus act as if anybody didn't have enough. I love this story. Matthew 14 and verse 22. We might as well turn there. Matthew 14, 22. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening had come, he was alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. And Jesus immediately uh, spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, so I do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And that's a loaded question, isn't it? Now, if it had been most of us, and we'd have been Jesus, we would have said, now, Peter, this is not going to end well. You're not quite ready for this yet. Now, it is me, and I know you said if it was me, you really didn't give me any wiggle room here, but I'm going to tell you, don't get out of that boat. Did Jesus say that? Did Jesus know that Peter was probably not going to make... Yeah, he knew it. Did, but, but Jesus never turned down anybody's faith. He never said, you're not ready for this. He never said, you don't have enough. He said, come, go ahead, boy, get out of the boat. You want to get out of the boat? You get out of the boat. I got plenty of people that don't want to get out of the boat. If I find one person that wants to get out of the boat, you get out of the boat and we'll figure it out. Just come on. Isn't that great? I mean, if anybody didn't have enough faith to do what they were about to do, it was Peter, and the Lord said, come. Don't you love that about God? He is looking for people to believe. He is waiting for somebody to take him at his word and step out and trust him. And you know it didn't end well. <laughs> but if it was a true lack of faith, Jesus would have said, Peter, you're not ready yet for this you're going to sink you're going to get embarrassed I'm going to have to save you let's just skip all that you just stay there no he said come on you give me all you got and I'll be there to make up the difference isn't that great 
And so Peter jumps out of the boat. This is very interesting how this transpires. Verse 23 or 29, Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That's a miracle. He's walking on water. He's the only other person we know of that walked on water except for Jesus. But verse 30 says, and when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Because everybody knows when the wind blows really hard, you can't walk on water. <laughs> he figured that out. See, he's going, you can't do this in the wind. Can you see how circumstances get people distracted to the wrong thing? The wind had nothing to do with him walking on the water. Oh, can I just say this to you? The pandemic, the economy, the news, the, the things that are happening in our have nothing to do with you living your life and walking on water and seeing the miracles of God and doing what God puts you on this earth to do. Quit, quit believing that because of something that happened beyond our control that we're not going to be what God called us to be. We are going to do the will of God and it doesn't matter if there's a lot of wind or no wind. We are walking on water. Supernaturally, we live for God. And God supplies all of our needs in every area and on every level. Don't get your eyes on things that don't... You are living a supernatural life. You are trusting in a God you can't see. And it's God that's given you the power to get to this place. He's been pulling the strings behind the scenes. And you thought it was an employer that gave you that check. No, God Almighty supplied that to you. You thought you just got lucky and got a good job or or got a you know that you've just made it because of your hard work no the lord has been involved with you and he's not going to let you down he works in good times and bad times in good times you don't see it that much but in bad times you see evidence that god is at work when you turn on that faucet every day and drink water, God is on the other end of that making sure you get your daily allowance of water. And if the world cuts off your water supply, God will find another way to get you water. Amen. Walking on water is supernatural, and, and wind can't stop that. So he got his eyes on the on the wind and beginning to sink he cried out saying lord save me i just love this jesus let him use his faith as far as he it would take him and immediately jesus stretched out his hand and caught him but his response is just amazing to me because he's got 11 other guys that are too scared to get out of the boat one guy actually walked on water i would have said good boy <laughs> Way to go. Jesus didn't say that. He was focused on one thing all the time. He said, oh, you have little faith. He didn't say you don't have enough to do this. He said, you quit using it. Why'd you quit using it? You could have made it all the way. God sees things from a different perspective. 
You know, if that's so important to God that we believe, we ought to just make a point. Let's find out how to do this, and let's get good at it. Because he really likes it. He re- it means so much to him. And I'm happy for Peter. You know, I'm satisfied with what he did. But the Lord said, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> Why did you doubt? In other words, there wasn't any reason for it. You made that choice. You shouldn't have made that choice. Praise God. Does this help you? I'll tell you. Let's look at another one. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And I'm not going to read all of this, but you, you know the story. It's the man... The father who had the son with the deaf and dumb spirit, they brought him to Jesus, and the disciples, I mean, they, and, and Jesus was gone. So the disciples tried to cast this devil out of this boy, and it didn't work. And so Jesus walked up and said, oh, this is verse 19, Mark chapter 9, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to Jesus, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, when you're dealing with God, you don't start out like that. <laughs> That's insulting if you're God. You know what I'm saying? If you go to God and say, if you can do anything, he's going, what do you mean? Does my resume not speak for itself? I made the universe. I made you. I mean, what do you mean if I can do anything? Where have you been? If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus this man didn't know anything. If he, if he thinks that Jesus may not be able to do it, he doesn't know much. Certainly doesn't have much basis for faith. Jesus didn't give him a pass and say, you know what? It's pathetic. The way you've been brought up, you don't know anything. So you just go sit over there, and I'm going to deliver this boy, and I'll give him back to you. That's not what Jesus said, because he never, ever acted like Somebody didn't have enough faith. And, and you would think that this man would be one of them that he would have said, man, if you, if you don't know if God can do it, you need to go to a faith seminar. You, know, you, you need some teaching. In fact, why don't you just go read a, a few faith books, come back in three months, and we'll try this again because you, you're not giving me anything to work with. Jesus didn't say any of that. He said, here's what he said. If you can believe. As if he could. He didn't say, now there's just a few people in the world. They're elite spiritually and they're able to believe great things. You may not be one of them, but we'll see. He didn't say that. 
He said anybody. He, he made it sound like anybody could do it. Not everybody does, but he said if, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then, you know the story, the man said, and this isn't a great faith prayer, but it was better than the first one he prayed. He said, Lord, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Isn't that great? And evidently, that was enough because, uh, because Jesus uh, delivered that, that boy immediately. Hallelujah. And you get so many truths out of this story about God's will for healing and, and why sometimes healing doesn't work and, and of course faith but for our message tonight we're saying that he wasn't excused because of his lack of knowledge because he hadn't been around he didn't really know the character of God Jesus didn't say there's just no way you can believe anything he said just the opposite and if that man can believe God and receive a miracle you can believe God and receive a miracle. Would you like one more? All right, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and this is uh, the account of a man named Jairus. Verse, uh, we'll start in verse 22. Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him. Now I said last night that, that it, it, it looks to me like Jesus didn't really have a pre-planned day. The Bible says he went about preaching, teaching, and healing. That was his method because preaching and teaching uh, produces faith. And then he was looking for people who responded positively. Who he did the same thing that he told the disciples about the Great Commission. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he that believeth and his baptized will be saved. He that believeth not will be condemned. And so he practiced that in his own ministry. He would go out and preach and teach, and he was waiting for somebody to believe. And whenever faith appeared, that's where he went. Did you know he's still doing that today? Wherever faith arises, God will move right there. Wherever faith comes, God goes and meets people there. God doesn't decide uh, he didn't decide when Jairus believed, when the woman with the issue of blood believed. He didn't make those decisions. They did. Did you know you could have been saved two weeks before you were? God wasn't watching the clock going, okay, it's time to save them now. No, you decided. And you could have decided sooner. That was totally within your control. This idea that God went around and just picked people out and made examples out of them by healing them and delivering them, it's not true. They were the ones who came. They were the ones who decided. Now, let me tell you this story. There was a, it's, it's an illustration about this young man who wanted to be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And he uh, heard that there was a pastor who, when he prayed, people always received the Holy Spirit because he had a special place that he would take people. And every time he took people to this special place, they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this young man had tried and prayed and nothing worked. So he went to this pastor and said, I've heard that you have a special place that you take people. And every time you take them there, they are filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm desperate. Can, will you take me to that place? And the man said, certainly I will. And so he said, after church, we'll go. And so they went to church. After church, the pastor said, now they drove out into the woods. And he said, now follow me. And they start walking through the trails in the woods and going up and down hills and valleys. And, and <clears throat> the young man's following along. He said, are, are we there yet? Not yet. Not yet. Keep walking. So they're walking. And they keep walking. And it's getting late. And they're getting tired. And the boy says, are we there yet? Not yet. Almost. Just keep walking. And they just kept walking. And they kept walking until finally in ex he's exhausted. The, the young man says, Pastor, I just can't go any further. I I'm just going to have to get filled right here. And the pastor said, that's the place. That's the place. There's no place. You decide where the place is. You decided where you got saved. You decided where you got baptized with the Holy Ghost. God didn't decide. You decided. So Jesus preaches and teaches and people respond and then that's where he moves. So Jairus came out of nowhere and said, I want you to come pray for my daughter. He said, now we... What we understand about faith, listen to this, pretty good. He said, my little, little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Now, if you want to get God's attention, pray something like that. Amen. Believe something like that. And so, and so the Bible immediately says, so Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him. And then the woman with the issue of blood came along, touched the hem of his garment, stopped their procession. And in the process, if you, if you look on, on down here, verse 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master or the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, you surely don't have enough faith for this. You know what? You know, it's, it's out of our hands now. I mean, you thought she could be healed, but I know you're not there yet. So why don't you just let me take over? No, that's not what he said. He didn't act like there was any limit. Isn't that great? He didn't say, you know what, we, we were, we, we were going to make this happen, but you don't have enough faith for this. He said, do not be afraid, only believe, only believe. In other words, keep believing. You came here by faith, don't stop believing now. And who had control of that? Jairus. God is looking. For people that will believe. You know, I, I've noticed that people that are really strong in faith don't take this wrong, but they're kind of stubborn people. Yeah. <laughs> Hard-headed people. Strong-willed people. Yeah. 
Now, that's not helpful when you're a kid necessarily, but, but, but when it comes to the things of God and it comes to faith, you've got to latch on to the promise and just say, I'm going to believe. And I don't care if anybody else believes it or not. I'm going to believe God. And there are people, and let me just encourage you with this, there are people that have been believing for things for a long time and they're still in faith. In fact, the Bible says that there were certain people that died in faith. And, and our forefathers, because they were believing for the promises and they were believing for a home in heaven and whatnot. But the, the point is that we're supposed to be believing for things. Yeah. You may be believing for some things that haven't happened yet and think you have a problem. No, you're in good company. There's been a long lineage of people that believe for things for years and years and years and stood on the word and believed God and refused to be discouraged and refused to quit and they stayed in there and God came through for them. So don't be discouraged. In fact, let me just say this. You ought to be believing for some things that haven't happened yet. You ought to have your faith out there for things that haven't uh, manifested in your life. You've got to have something to live for. You got to have something to stretch out there for, something to look forward to, something to hold on to, something to, you know, run run with the with purpose and destiny. God likes faith. Abraham was 75 years old with no kids and God said, "I'm going to make you a father." And he goes, "Really?" Well, you'd think if you told a 75-year-old man I'm going to make you a father, you'd do it pretty quick. You know what I mean? Like tomorrow. But God didn't. Do you know how long it was until he actually became a father? 25 years. Who tells a 75-year-old man, I'm going to make you a father, and then waits for 25 years. God. Now think about this. What Abraham wanted more than anything in the world was a son. And he got one. But he believed for it for 25 years. It's easy to resent those 25 years when you're the one waiting and you're the one standing. But God still refers to Abraham as the father of those who believe. Because you may not like the 25 years, but it means the world to God. He loves the fact that somebody, anybody, would believe the impossible as long as it takes. Isn't that interesting? So if you're in a faith battle and you're walking it out, don't resent that time. You, are, you mean something to God. You're going to remember this forever. It's faith that's tried by fire that's more precious than gold that perishes. It's the faith challenges and the faith walks and the faith fights that you experience in life that are going to be remembered in eternity. God's not, you're not going to sit around with the Heavenly Father and talk about the good old days. You're going to talk about the fight, the victory, when God came through, when nobody believed but you. God's going to remember that. 
forever. We ought to be believing God for things that haven't happened yet. We ought to be possessing things by faith and don't resent it. Just realize that you're in good company. You know, I think of Noah who preached righteousness and believed God for a flood for a hundred years. He built an ark in his backyard and it was too big to move to the ocean. Who does that? And then he preached to people that didn't believe him. And he preached judgment. We've got it pretty good compared to that. He preached repent or God's going to judge you. They said, oh yeah, with what? With rain. And they go, what's rain? It never has rain before. Yeah, it's going to rain and water is going to cover the earth. When? Oh, 90 or 95 years from now? (laughs) Whatever. And by the way, what's that in your yard? It's an ark. So when it rains, I'll have a place to live. Right. (laughs) You know you can't move that, right? It's too big. We don't have these services that move giant. It's like the guy that built a doghouse in his basement. And then he realized it was too big to get out the door. (laughs) Had to leave it in the basement. (laughs) Noah built an ark that was so big they can't move it. God wants you fully committed. Hallelujah. What do you think about believing God? Isn't it a great isn't it a great option? We have this faith option. The world doesn't even have it. I feel sorry for the world. They can't shift over into the realm of faith and believe for the wonderful promises of God in their life. They are limited to the news and to current events and to whatever the world does to them and for them. We are not limited to that. The first thing that ought to happen to faith people is we ought to be the happiest people in the world. Hallelujah. Well, did you get anything out of that? Praise God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Glory to God. Let's thank him for just a moment. Hallelujah. 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 I'm I'm happy to say today that I believe God. I believe God. I believe God for my future. I believe God for my protection. I believe God for my provision. I believe God for my health. I believe God for my daily bread. I believe God for my relationships. I believe God for my ministry. How about you? Are you believing God? Are you believing God for every area of your life? Are there areas of your life that need to be improved that you know that God could help and make a difference? Quit waiting for heaven to come down to you and you go ahead and you believe God for yourself. Make that move. Begin to take that measure of faith and speak. Speak what God said about the situation. Agree with God and not the circumstances. A person of faith will always 
be speaking. Faith, if faith is not heard, it's not really faith. It's not Bible faith. And it's not hard to do it. It's, it's not hard to do it. It's not legalism. And, and please don't think I'm going down that road because I'm not. I'm not telling you if you say it a thousand times, it'll happen. That's not, that's not in the Bible. But, but Jesus did say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say. He did say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. He did say the word of faith is in your heart and in your mouth. Because that's how faith works. Do you have areas in your life that you need God to get involved in? Maybe you've let things just go on and you've just put up with it. You've tolerated it. You didn't really know what to do about it. Can I just challenge you to get proactive and begin to look at things in your life like this pulpit that was out of place? Don't just sit on the sideline and wish somebody would do something about it. Pray that God would do something to make it. Begin to use your faith. Begin to speak about to that situation. Get the promises of God that apply to that. Say, this is not right. God said this. I demand it. I stand on the word. I resist. I stand against it. I'm not going to let these things push me around anymore. I'm a person of faith. I know my rights. And I know my, my privileges in Christ Jesus. And I refuse for, for the enemy to encroach upon those rights. Faith literally is taking back what Jesus has bought and purchased and provided for us. It's just taking it back. I get very um, righteously indignant at times, especially when I preach on certain messages. But when I, I have a book called Living With No Regrets, and we talk about regrets and guilt and condemnation and, and sadness over past events. And I get so furious that the enemy would try to use your past to hold you hostage. I resent that. I stand against that. Amen. And you know, because of that attitude, I've seen grief broken over people's lives. I've seen sadness and depression leave people's lives. I've seen, I've seen regret go just because of our faith in that area. And you, you can get that way in every area of your life. Say, I refuse to allow the enemy to steal what Jesus has provided for me. Say, so, well, do you think I have enough faith for that? Absolutely you do. Of course you do. Jump out of the boat. Get out there on the water. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Can you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done. <clears throat> Help, help us to not live below our rights and privileges in Christ. Everybody say this, Lord, I believe. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. And I allow you. I believe you to work in every area of my life. My heart's desire and my faith's confession is that I will do all the will of God 
I will fulfill my destiny. I will finish my course with joy. And I'll do everything that you want me to do. I'll be all that you've called me to be. And I'll do it with strength, with health, with finances, with everything that I need. For my God is my shepherd. I shall not want in any area of my life. I believe in abundance. I walk in abundance. I talk abundance. And I talk victory. And it works for me. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory, glory. You know, we don't have to, you don't have to work that up. That's, that's just the truth working in our hearts and our mouths. And it just makes a difference. You know, if you're, if you're a faith person, nobody's ever going to feel sorry for you. <laughs> so if you like that, maybe this isn't for you. If you feel like, you know, being the subject of a country music song. I'm broke and I'm sorry and I'm poor and I'm crying in my beard. Faith people are like Joshua and Caleb. Let's go up at once. We're well able to take the land. Their defenses have departed from them. They are bread for us. And the people said, let's kill them. Nobody feels sorry for a faith person. We don't need pity. I'd rather have the blessings of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Pastor, come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Wasn't that awesome? Someone shout, thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, I'm ready to believe. I know I keep saying this. And uh, it's, it's, it's really awesome. We just want to thank you, uh, Greg, for... You know, making time and uh, being courageous uh, to actually come. I mean, every time we'd have a huddle uh, to go over, I'd send an email and say, Greg, they just put us on the red list. And he would reply, I'm, I'm expecting a cancellation, right? And he would reply and say, it doesn't matter what they say, I'm coming. And I say, praise God. And, uh, and, and I say, I send him a picture of the numbers, you know, climbing. I say, Greg, you know, the numbers are, I'm not sure what they're going to, he said, it doesn't matter, I'm coming. And man, I'm excited and I, I'm thankful, I'm grateful to God that you came. I, I really know that this is going to be life transforming for all of us, for our church. Man, we're going to another level. Amen. We're going to another level. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.